0: stories. Hello, super great kids, and how are you doing? It's nearly the beginning of a new year, and we start with a story told by the wonderful storyteller Amy Douglas. We're carrying on with fairy tales from around the world. The fairy tale Amy is going to tell you today is a traveller tale from Scotland. Have you ever heard the expression, you get what you give? Well, this story feels a bit like that. I wonder if you have a favourite expression in your house. One of my favourite expressions, which you know, is teamwork makes the dream work. And also, every mickle makes a muckle. Why don't you have a think if there are any little sayings in your family while we have a quick word with the grown-ups. Hello, super great kids. It's me again. Did you think of a saying which people in your family use a lot? Maybe your grown-up can help you with that. Are you sitting comfortably? Snuggle down and let's welcome storyteller Amy Douglas. Ready? Mouth open. Story jump out.
1: Once upon a time, not so very long ago and not so very far away, there was a village. On the edge of that village was a great house, a big long drive sweeping up to it and then a flight of stairs led up to a beautiful carved oak door. And inside that great house was a rich lady with servants to do everything that she wanted. Next door was a very different sort of house. The seamstress lived there She made clothes for a living. She lived in a little cottage with her daughter. She called it a cottage, but it was struggling to even be a cottage. It had one room down below with a fireplace where she did all of her cooking. And in the same room, that's where she would work, she had a table with scissors and a needle where she could make her clothes. And in the corner was a ladder that led up to the attic to the loft. And that was where she and her daughter slept. It was winter. The days were short. The nights were long. There had been snow in the village for six weeks now. It had fallen and frozen and fallen and frozen, leaving icy patches beneath the fresh fallen snow to trip the unwary. But it was nearly midwinter and nearly Christmas. There was excitement in the air as everybody was looking forward to Christmas. And the seamstress, a widow woman, she was looking forward to Christmas too but she was worried about what sort of Christmas she was going to give her daughter. Making clothes didn't make a lot of money. They always got by but sometimes there wasn't as much to eat as she would like there to be and sometimes they kept their fire low and small and worried about whether they would have enough wood if they put another piece on. Still, that house was always full of love, and that was the most important thing. It was in those days on the run-up to Christmas that an old man came walking into the village. He was trudging, and he was watching his feet to make sure he didn't slip or trip on any of those ice patches beneath the new-fallen snow. You could see that he was tired. The end of his nose was red and his cheeks were a little blue from the cold. He had white curly hair and a long white beard and though he was tired his eyes were bright and blue. He held his thin coat wrapped tight around him and he was glad to come into the village and he was looking for somewhere he might get something warm to eat and somewhere warm to sit. And the first house that he came to was that great house, that mansion. And he walked up the long drive. He didn't go to the front door. He went around the back. He found the kitchen door and he knocked, knocked, knocked on that. It was a little while before it opened. But open it did with a great billowing cloud of steam. And he could see all the work that was going on inside. There were things roasting and boiling and there were people rolling out dough and kneading dough and making cakes. And there in the doorway in front of him was the cook herself, dusting the flour off from her apron and she looked up at him and said, Well, what do you want? He explained that he was a traveller, a stranger to the area, he was cold, he had been walking through the snow all day. And if they had a little bit of something hot he could eat and somewhere warm he could sit, he would be very grateful. What? You expect us to find room and time for somebody like you on a day like today? There's only a few days left till Christmas and there is so much to do. And besides, my lady said, no beggars, no strangers, no travellers. You want to be out of here before she sees you. She'll set the dogs on you. And with that, she slammed the door in the old man's face. (sighs) His shoulders slumped. He followed his footsteps in the snow back around the house back down that long drive, and he carried on walking along the road. And he wasn't sure what reception he was going to get from the rest of the village if the biggest house was like that, and he was thinking maybe he would have to go all the way through the village, onto the next village, if he could walk that far. But at the very next house, the seamstress had spotted him. Spotted the shoulders bent low. Cold looking old man, and she went rushing out into the snow. She smiled at him and she said, What are you doing out on a day like today? It's getting dark. Come on, come inside. You look like you need a good warm and something to put in your belly. And she showed him into her own cottage. She sat him down next to the fire on one side, and the little girl, she was sat on a stool on the other side. And the little girl looked up at the old man, bright, wide eyes. And he looked down at her with his bright blue eyes, and they twinkled at her. He could feel the warmth start to flow into his bones, and the prickling, almost painful feeling of his fingers slowly coming back to life and the seamstress she said, "Now I'll put the kettle on. it won't be long till there's tea to drink, and there's soup in the pot, and we'll be eating that soon now tell us where you've come from and where you're going and the old man. He said that his name was Nicholas and that he was going to see family and friends for Christmas. And as for where he'd been, he'd travelled all over the place and he started to tell them stories of the places he'd been and the things he'd seen. He told them of going to great cities and seeing huge cathedrals with beautiful stained glass windows. He told them of going to the coast and the seashore and the little girl's eyes widened. She'd never been to the sea. She could hardly imagine it. As he described, looking out at water that went on and on so far that you couldn't see the other side. They listened to his tales and his stories all evening as the seamstress ladled out a bowl of soup for each of them. They ate, they drank tea until the evening got late. And at last the seamstress said, right my sweetheart, you have school in the morning and it's time for bed. (sighs) Complaining and reluctantly, the little girl went up the ladder, up into the loft, to curl up underneath her blankets. The seamstress made up a bed by the fire for the old man, and he slept curled up on the floor with the warmth from the embers of the fire, while the seamstress went upstairs, up the ladder, to join her daughter. The next morning, the little girl was awake, bright-eyed and early. She came scampering down the ladder to find the old man, already awake, already sitting up, the blankets from his bed folded. And she started asking him more questions and asking for more stories and he smiled and he told her stories. As the seamstress came down, made porridge over the fire. And all too soon it was time to leave. It was time to take the little girl to school and both the old man Nicholas and the seamstress, they walked her to school, they dropped her off. And the seamstress, she smiled at the old man Nicholas and she said, I'll walk you to the edge of the village. And if you're going to see family and friends, does that mean you'll be coming back this way? When you've had the holidays, when you've spent Christmas with your family, come back, come back and see us on your way home. And he said, you know what? I might just do that. But for now, thank you. And then he reached out and he took her hand in his. And he said, whatever you start today, may you continue to do all day long. And then he let go of her hand. What a strange blessing, thought the seamstress. But she smiled and she nodded and she waved as he put his foot to the road and walked through the snow and out of sight. And she turned and she went back home. And she did have something special planned that day. She had been given a bolt of cloth and she'd made a beautiful Christmas dress for one of her customers. And the bolt of cloth, well, it was just a roll of cardboard that that had the material wrapped around it and she hadn't needed to use quite all of the material for the lady's dress. And she thought there was a little bit of material left at the end of that bolt and it might be just enough to make her daughter an apron for her Christmas present. So she went home, she sat herself down at her table, and she had the the needle and thread and the scissors ready, and she went to pull the material off the piece of cardboard to see how much material there really was, and start making an apron for her daughter. Well, she pulled the material once, and the bolt rolled over. But it didn't finish the material so she got hold of the end and she pulled it again and once again the bolt rolled over and more material came off and she still hadn't reached the end and so she pulled again and another length of material came off the bolt but still there was material on the bolt. And now her hands took over and they kept pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and more and more and more and material came off that bolt. She couldn't believe it. And then she thought of what the old man had said to her, what Nicholas had said. Whatever you start to do today, may you continue it all day long. And that's what her hands were doing. They were pulling more and more and more material. And now she had a huge pile of material beside her until it grew so high that it fell over, started a new pile and still she kept pulling material off that bolt. All day until the cottage was stuffed full of material until at last a little girl came home, opened the door and material began to flow out of the doorway. The sun set and finally the seamstress pulled the material and came to the end of the bolt. The two of them stared at the inside of their cottage in disbelief. So much cloth. What happened, Mum? said the little girl. Well, Said the seamstress. I don't quite know, but it must have been Nicholas. It must have been the blessing that he gave me. And what a blessing, what a blessing, sweetheart! You and I will both have new dresses for Christmas, and we can sell the rest of the material. And there is so much material here that there will be enough money that we don't have to worry about food or wood for the rest of the year and all of next year. The little girl smiled and the two, they took each other's hands and they danced around laughing and laughing and singing. Well, that Christmas was the best that the seamstress and the little girl had ever had. They had more food than they could eat. They dressed the hut with holly and ivy. They had a beautiful Christmas tree with decorations and crackers. They had lights in their little cottage and the worry had gone. Her word spread about how somehow the seamstress had come into good fortune, of how suddenly she had more money than she'd ever had, and of the amount of cloth that she'd bought and started selling. Well, the rumours and the gossip spread till it came into the ear of her next-door neighbour, the rich lady. Ha! she said. Why should she have all the luck? earth would she be getting money from? Well, she was going to have to find out. She wrapped a cloak round her shoulders. She took a basket, put a cake inside and marched off down the drive along the road to her neighbour's cottage. Knock, knock, knock. Well, the seamstress opened it. The rich lady had never come to call on her before. Hello, said the rich lady. I've come to say hello. (laughs) I've bought a cake. Well, the seamstress let her in and they all sat around the table. And the rich lady got the cake out and she cut a slice for the little girl and she cut a slice for the seamstress and one for herself. And she said, so tell me, I'm so delighted to see your good fortune. Things do seem to have changed for you. Where on earth has your good luck come from? Well, the seamstress had nothing to hide and she told her all about the old man Nicholas, how they had spent such a lovely evening together with stories and how the next day he'd gone and he'd said, whatever you start today, may you continue to do it all day long. And is he coming back, this man? Well, maybe, said the seamstress. I certainly invited him. He's gone to see family and friends over Christmas, so maybe in the new year he will be back. Right, said the woman. She packed up what was left of the cake, put it into the basket and stomped out of that hut. She didn't say thank you. She didn't say goodbye. She didn't even shut the door. Well, said the seamstress, shutting the door behind her but the rich lady had what she needed. She knew now that the old man might be coming back. There was still a chance to get her own good fortune. She got home and she called her servants and she arranged to have them posted as sentries on the roads in and out of the village, keeping a watch 24 hours a day for the old man Nicholas, and so her servants had to stand out in the snow and the cold, watching and waiting and waiting and watching, taking it in turns. Day after day they waited and watched while the rich lady got things ready. New Year's Eve came, and everybody greeted the new year into the world. And then at last, one of the servants, looking at the road out of the village, saw a shape trudging towards him. Got a little bit closer, and he saw the white curled hair and the long beard, twinkling blue eyes. This was the old man, Nicholas, that his mistress had been waiting for. Good day, good day to you, sir, said the servant, and he linked his arm through Nicholas's and said, My mistress welcomes you to the village. She bids you come and stay with her. Your mistress? Said Nicholas. Yes, 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 I believe that you came and knocked on our door last time, and, well, that dreadful cook, she turned you away. She really shouldn't have, and my mistress wants to make it right. I see, said Nicholas. Well, he was dragged through the village, past the seamstress's cottage, and up the drive to the great house. This time he wasn't taken round the back of the kitchen. This time it was straight up the flight of stairs through that great oak carved door. There was the rich lady waiting. Oh, I'm so delighted that you've returned. I must offer my sincerest apologies for last time. You know how it is before Christmas. I was so busy preparing boxes of food and presents for the poor. Well, that wasn't true, was it? But it's what she said. You know, it's just too so busy before Christmas, she said, and I hear that my cook turned away, really, how dreadful, turning away a traveller and a stranger before Christmas. I've had strong words with her. I see, said Nicholas. Well, he was taken upstairs, and he was shown into a beautiful bedroom with a four-poster bed, and there was a bathroom next door, and they were pouring him a barful full of hot water and bubbles, He was given a set of clean, fresh clothes to put on after his bath with big fluffy towels to get dried in. He was left to have his bath and get dry and get dressed. And then he was escorted downstairs where a banquet was waiting for him. Well, there was so much food, the table was groaning under the weight of it. And all the way through the meal... The lady, the rich woman, smiled at him, telling him how sorry she was and how welcome he was and didn't she have a lovely house and wasn't he lucky to be in it. At last, old man Nicholas was allowed up the stairs to go and rest and sleep in that huge four-poster bed. And he was woken up the next day, brought down for breakfast, which was almost as great a banquet as it had been the night before. There was buttered eggs and bacon and sausages and porridge and kippers, everything that you can imagine for breakfast. And when he'd eaten, the lady linked her arm in his and said, let me escort you to the end of the drive and the end of the village. They got to the end of the drive and she said, well, Good luck on your travels and goodbye, good sir. Thank you, said Old Man Nicholas. Um thank you very much for your hospitality. And he turned to go. Ahem, 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 said the rich lady. Wasn't there something else you wanted to say to me? Oh I see, said Old Man Nicholas, and he took her hand, and he said, Whatever you start today, may you continue to do all day long. She didn't say thank you. She didn't say anything else. She pulled away and she was already running back up the drive, back to her house. She took the steps up to the front door two at a time, into the house she went, up the stairs inside till she came to her own sewing room. And on her table she too had a bolt of cloth ready, the most beautiful, expensive, rich cloth. And it had real gold thread laced in and out of it, That cloth was worth a fortune. And she was all ready to settle herself down and start pulling. Oh, so much material off that bolt. A whole day's worth of material off that bolt. But as she looked at it, she thought, oh, if I'm going to be sat there all day long, maybe I should just quickly nip to the bathroom first, just for a a quick wee. And that's what she did. She sat down on the toilet. It wasn't. A quick wee she sat there, and she weed and weed and weed. That was the first thing she started to do that day, and she continued it all day long. She was grateful that it was winter, and they were short days, but it felt like a long, long time before finally the sun set. And she was able to get off the toilet. Well, as she left the bathroom, all she could hear were skiggles. All the servants laughing and laughing. She gathered all of her servants together and she forbade them to ever tell anybody what had happened. But stories, well, it's hard to keep them quiet. And somebody must have said something because that story ran like wildfire around the village until everybody knew. And that story kept spreading from mouth to ear, from mouth to ear, from mouth to ear until it came into my ear and out of my mouth. And now I've told that story to you.
0: Ha! Thanks very much, Amy, for sharing that. Imagine having to sit on the toilet all day. How boring would that be? And who do you think that old man was? Well, his name is Nicholas. So I think it might have been Saint Nicholas, who is a popular saint, who in some countries people believe he brings all the presents for their children at Christmas. A bit like Father Christmas. Now... It's nearly New Year, which is a good time to think of things to be grateful for. Super Great David. Hello. We make Super Great Kids Stories together, and I would like to say thank you very much to our subscribers for all the support you've given us this year. Thank you. We just can't thank you enough for helping us to keep doing this exciting podcast and recording these stories. We love it. We do. and thank you to Nonna for your donation on Ko-fi. Our little thank you gift to our subscribers is that we're posting the film of the second session of our first ever live show. It'll be on the Owlet's Club page on Facebook or in Patreon. Now, to say thank you to some more of our story listeners for the super great drawings which you've sent of our stories. Thank you to Sebastian, who is who sent us a very colourful picture of the trickster story told by Toop, Anansi and the magic pot. It's good to know that you and your brother Oliver, as well as your mum and dad, enjoy listening to super great kids' stories. Thank you for your picture. We love it. And thank you to Mira, who is five in San Rafael in California. Mira has posted us a lovely picture of Water Mama. I like your mysterious purple moon mirror and Water Mama's long sea green hair. Thanks for sharing this. It's a scary story, isn't it? Well done for listening. And thank you, Diana, for your picture of the Irish fairy tale, Fear Ishka and the Magic Water, or The Legend of the Loch. I like the way you've drawn the lake with the palace shining up from the bottom. I'd like to visit that lake in Ireland one day and see if I can see anything by peering into the waters. Wouldn't you? And Walker, who is six, has drawn a fabulous picture of the tramp and the boots. I love the way you've drawn the fairy, pouring her rainbow magic onto the boots to make them big enough for the tramp. Just lovely. Thank you. And thanks to four-year-old Nova from Portland, Oregon in the US for your drawing of Baba Yaga the Russian Witch. I like the black geese sitting on the roof of Baba Yaga's hut with the fence of skulls all around it and the huge rock with the tiny mouse at the bottom of the picture. Great drawing. Well done. And seven-year-old Emmett from Thornton in Colorado has drawn a fabulous picture of the Native American story How the Mosquito Became. It shows the whistling giants who are stuck in a pit of green slime. I love the way the giants are looking very fed up as they squelch through the snakes and the green slime in the bottom of the pit. Thank you for sharing this, Emmett. That's it for this week. Do send in any pictures of our stories which you've drawn over the holidays. We love seeing them. See you next week and next year. Have a Happy New Year. This podcast was recorded at Wardour Studios in London.